Happy 2021, everybody. Can we still say that in February? I don't know. But either way, I hope this new year finds you in good health. My Rock Moment took a long holiday break for a little rest renewal and to essentially just get beyond the general election madness, I gotta be honest. But I'm back with season two and I wanted to add a little something more to the interview format we had in season one. We've got some new episodes called Rock Moments to Remember. So between the interviews, I'll be telling short rock and roll stories, whether it's uh, the inspiration behind a song, a rock and roll love triangle, or just tales of rock stars behaving badly. We'll provide two stories in these bite-sized episodes that'll hopefully leave you thinking, I never knew that. And if you want to dive deeper, of course, I'm going to cite my sources in the show notes. Today on Rock Moments to Remember, I'll be covering the monkeys and the comedic gift that was Peter Tork. And we've all heard of the 27 Club when it comes to rock stars gone too soon, but the number 32 is a close second. I'll explain it all here on this episode of Rock Moments to Remember. Let's get started. Okay, so let's talk 60s sitcoms. I don't care if you were a child of the 60s, the 70s, 80s, or even today, you are aware of the prefabricated and absolutely genius Hollywood act, The Monkees, and their sitcom of the same name. I mean, as a kid, that show to me was one of the greatest shows to grace TV land, ever. If you've heard my previous episodes, you'll know that I am an avid fan of this quirky quartet. Absolutely love Peter Tork and Davy Jones. And just like me, everybody had their favorites, right? Davy Jones was the slight, cute Englishman, and he was probably the most popular, but Peter Tork, Mickey Dolenz, and even Mike Nesmith had their diehard teenage fans. The casting directors, the producers, the network, literally they had captured lightning in a bottle as far as I was concerned. But what about the names that auditioned for the show that didn't make the cut? Well, Stephen Stills is one such rock star that didn't make that cut. Now, there's a joke or a rumor that it's because of his bad teeth. I don't know about that. Unless we have Stephen Stills on my rock moment, Lord, hear my prayer, we may never know the full story. But what is well documented is that he suggested his friend Peter Tork audition for the role. They'd been in New York together in that Greenwich Village era scene, and they were also former roommates. In an excerpt from Harold Bronson's book, Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, still seems to allude to the fact that it was he who didn't want the gig. He says, When I auditioned for the monkeys, I sat and hung out for a while. They called me the next day to tell me that they were interested, and could I come another day? When I came in, I got the feeling that they thought I was going to happen, and they wanted to keep contact somehow, being up-and-coming Hollywood moguls. They were polite, and I sensed that they were more interested in me as a person. I was real upfront with them. I said, basically, I'm not that interested in the show, but mainly want to write the songs because that's where the moolah is. And then I said, listen, I know another guy that's a lot like me and he's probably a little brighter and he might be a little quicker and funnier. I had had that beaten into me by this guy in New York for reasons that still escape me that I was not funny and I should not try to be funny. That's when I suggested Peter Tork. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Stephen Stills, for exposing us all to the comic gift that was Peter Tork. And if you had taken the job, who knows if we'd be exposed to the music genius you proved yourself to be in Buffalo Springfield, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and all of your other work. 
And for those of you who are curious about what other notable names were among the 400 young actors and musicians who auditioned for the roles, and no, Charles Manson was not one of them despite some rumor mills, among them were actually Paul Williams, Danny Hutton of Three Dog Night, and Harry Nilsson. Yep, the more you know, folks. Okay, so we're all familiar with the 27 Club, right? It's that ominous age that we lost some of the greatest rock stars of all time, including Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. It's actually a longer list, unfortunately. But there's also another eerie coincidence in rock and roll history that some of you may know, and it revolves around 32. So let's move forward in time to the 70s and across the pond in Mayfair, London. Harry Nilsson, though an American artist, owned Flat 12 at 9 Curson Place in Mayfair in London. It was down the road from Apple Records, the Playboy Club, and the Tramp Club, so he had all of his bases covered. I mean, it was the perfect locale considering his interests. But given his nonstop schedule on the road, he was rarely there and he rented it out to his musician friends. Well, Cass Elliot was staying in London in 1974 following her solo two-week sellout run at the Palladium and decided to stay in the city for a few days after her dates concluded on July 23rd. She stayed at Nilsson's place with a few of her bandmates and on the night of July 29th, she died of a heart attack. Not a ham sandwich, but a heart attack. Such a loss for the rock and roll and the Laurel Canyon community specifically. Well, now it's 1978, and the Who drummer Keith Moon had tried every which way to keep himself sober at this point. He decided to rent the flat from Harry, and on the night of September 6th, attended a party with girlfriend Annette Walter Lax that Paul McCartney held at the Peppermint Park in Covent Garden. They were celebrating what would have been Buddy Holly's 42nd birthday because McCartney had acquired the rights to Holly's song publishing. And the biopic The Buddy Holly Story was premiering later that night. By many accounts, Keith was sober and quiet. Now, there were some that contest this, but overall, it seems that he was in a good, sober state. But in an ironic twist, ex-Faces drummer Kenny Jones was also at this party. And as some of you know, he would eventually take Keith's place in The Who. But I digress. Anyways, after heading home that night, Keith passed out after several hemineverin sedatives that had been prescribed to aid the alcohol withdrawal. And as the story goes, he woke up at 7.30 a.m. demanding a steak breakfast to which Annette complained. And after cursing her, he went back to bed and never woke up. Annette found him unresponsive later that afternoon. Apparently at some point in the night or that morning, Keith had taken 32 tablets of hemineverin. And in the postmortem, it was found that 26 were undissolved. Now, as you can imagine, Keith's death was the final straw for Harry. In fact, Harry had warned Keith that his apartment was cursed when he rented it to him, to which Keith responded, Lightning wouldn't strike the same place twice. Huh. Legendary words. But it did. In the same room, and both Cass and Keith were 32 years old. 
Harry sold the place in 1980 to none other than Keith's bandmate, Pete Townsend. Some say Pete bought it so that it wouldn't fall into the wrong hands because of its history, and it certainly would have, so it was probably a very smart move. Well, that's it for the first episode of Rock Moments to Remember, part of the My Rock Moment podcast. So stay tuned for next week's episode where we talk to rock journalist and presenter Kylie Olson. We'll talk about sitting down and getting that once-in-a-lifetime interview with Jimmy Page, how she got tongue-tied with Stevie Nicks, which we all understand. It's Stevie Nicks, come on. And then she'll also reveal who her number one guest pick would be on her new show, Life in Six Strings. So you definitely don't want to miss it. See you then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.